What is going on, Texans fans everywhere? Happy Friday. Oh, it's much happier. No matter what, because the Texans moved to 7-4 last night. How was that? Man, that was really fun. Stressful. Stressful can be fun, though. I mean, if some people like that. If you'd like to deal with stress, my goodness, 20-17 to last night over the Indianapolis Colts, a game that is, man, I don't even know that I can really describe what we saw last night. It's, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal football game in every way, shape, or form because the Texans won. But it was physical, as physical as any game that I can remember seeing. I don't know that I saw a game. I, I tried to remember last night as I was driving home, which was about 2.15 in the morning. So, yeah, there's a bunch of, bunch of stuff to do after the game that we had to do and TV shows. I think I just shot two TV shows, did radio post game, and then shot a Telestrator segment and wrote my notes from the game last night. Harris hits, so go check those out on HoustonTexans.com, social media channels at Houston Texans. You can get my Harris hits, my thoughts on uh, and things that I saw from the game last night. And whew, man, it just when the Tex when the Colts made it seventeen ten. And I'm watching Jonathan Williams going in the end zone. I'm like, oh, man. That's what the last thing that I wanted to see. I, mean, I know everybody felt that way, but it was like, oh, man, do they have it in them? Can they come back? And they did. Scored the next 10 points, held the Colts scoreless from that point forward, and won the game 20-17. to 17. Wow. All right, on the show this evening, we will dive in deep with my good friend and voice of Texas, Mark Vandermeer. We went in-depth on this one, so you definitely want to stay tuned and hear the thoughts of the voice of the Texans and what we saw. So many different nuances to this game. So many players making plays. Actually, I'm on both sides, but we're concerned about the Texans. And I mean, you go up and down the roster. Kaimi knocked home two field goals last night. Uh, I'm thinking numbers-wise, obviously what Deshaun Watson did, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, DeAndre Carter had a great punt return, and he had a fumble, but he got it back um, on the punt return. Everybody in defense, Carlos Watkins had a couple of key tackles. Vernon Hargraves came in, did some great things. I mean, so many different nuanced aspects to this game. We will talk about it all. We'll do that over the next couple of segments. Then, we, I, I got to do... What I normally do on Tuesdays, I got to do re- replay. And this this hit me driving home last night too. Man, reliving that game. I want to relive that game, and I want to relive it. I don't want to wait till Tuesday to do it. So we're going to do a short ultimate eleven plays of the win over Indianapolis, followed by my predictions for all NFL games. And then James Palmer stopped by with Mark Vandermeer earlier this week. James has been covering the Texans in Baltimore from here on Sunday. Then stayed here to cover the Texans and the Colts throughout the week. And I believe he'll go somewhere else on Sunday or he'll go home and get a break. Uh, hardest working man in sports. He is phenomenal to talk to. So Mark talked to him about the AFC South, the NFL in general. So we'll have that for you as well. But we have got to jump into our hot reads. And hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now. Hot reads, we're going to make this one big Texans audio jukebox. Because, really, I don't think we haven't had any time to get the reaction of the guys last night in the locker room. So, let's do it. 
Well, let's start with Will Fuller, who, well, he discussed what was working and what was going on. Just trying to put fear in the DB heart, you know, just running my route hard every every chance I got. And, uh, you know, when Deshaun threw me the ball, you know, that, that, that trust, you know, really gets me going too. So, you know, uh, just got to keep it going. Boy, he was good, man. He was really good. And the one thing that I think Will does not get credit enough for is his route running. Everybody talks about speed, 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 speed. He has refined his route running. It is darn near an art where he's got it right now. I wouldn't even say science because that's too mechanical. With art, he knows the nuances and things that he's got to do to be able to get open, and he definitely has that working for him. He talked about what this game means for this team going forward. That was big, you know. Uh, that, was, that was for first place in the in the uh, in the division, so we, we we treated it like a playoff game. And, you know, we came out victorious, and uh, we just got to keep it going now. You know, it's interesting when the Texans played the Falcons earlier this year. I looked down and they're bouncing around. They had kind of a rhythm in their step. I mean, it was kind of cool to watch that. Last night it was very businessmanlike, very businessman. I mean, they just were really kind of buttoned up. Like you could tell they were ready and focused. Ooh. They looked, I mean, they looked good. I mean, there's sometimes the first half where you go, oh, man, I don't know. But they got together and got it going, and then they started dancing, obviously, at the end of the night. Now, Will was targeted 11 times in this game. But it's this game that was the target for him, getting back and being ready to go against Indianapolis. Was that the case? Was this the target date all along, get ready for the Colts? I was trying to come back as soon as possible. You know, I was hoping the Baltimore game, and that didn't, that didn't go as planned. And then uh, the London game didn't, didn't, didn't go as planned. So uh, the, the ball week really helped me, though. And um, I felt like t- today was the day I had to come back. I'm glad he came back. I'm glad that was the day he came back. I, I, listen, we would have loved to have gone up with Will against Baltimore. But to have him fully and completely healthy for this one against the Colts, that was, that was more important. So, of course, people want to know, well, what would you do to get ready to play for this one? Yeah, it just felt better, you know. Um, you know, I was out there working hard, working hard in the training room, trying, trying to get it back, feeling right. Um, and I, I felt, you know, I, I did enough to, to play. He did. He got himself ready to play. And there was one time I felt like he reached for a hamstring. I was like, oh, no, 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 come on, come on now. And he ended up being fine. You know, there was no issues with it, hopefully. And he will continue. That was Will for the fifth with a tremendous ball game. A guy who also had, I thought, a tremendous game, was playing for the first time as a Texan, and that was Vernon Hargraves, and he discussed what this first game with his new team was like. Man, it was fun, man. It was fun. These guys, you know, they've been playing together for a long time, and it shows. You know, they got they always talking. They're always talking on the field, and that's what you need on defense. You need communication, and those guys, man, they, all they're doing is talking to me the whole time, helping me out, getting me lined up, and I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, you can't ask for anything more as a, as a new player coming into a new team who's already established. I'll tell you this, I watched the game against Tennessee in particular, and I had the coaches film, and I can't tell you the number of times that Vernon turned around to try to get his safeties in the corner to talk to him, and he would just he would just be sitting there clapping, he'd be clapping, like trying to get their attention, and they would never communicate with him. So I can only imagine what last night was, and I actually mentioned this in my Harris hits. One of the things I noticed when the Colts would come out in a formation, I'd see Deshaun Gibson, he'd look at Vernon, and he would give a hand signal, and he would make sure that Vernon had it. Like, he would do the hand signal, get his attention, and then he'd, like, wait for a nod to make sure he had it before they uh, eventually got their eyes back in on the quarterback and made the play. I thought the communication was was on point with everybody, but it had to be with Vernon because he's so new. And I think he really, obviously, as he just said, 
really appreciated doing uh, having that for him playing um, in this game, being active. He wasn't active for Baltimore. He'd been there for a couple of days. Hasn't even been there for a full week, I guess. Hasn't had a full preparation week. But it meant a lot to him to play so soon. Uh, it feels good to be to be wanted. It feels good to, you know, to be supported. You know, and, you know, I, there's not much more I can say about that. It feels good that they want me out there and they, and they expect me to make plays. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. VH3, man, we love having you out there. We love having you out there. Now, with just a little bit of time to prep, for this week, you never know what a guy is going to be able to do. You know, have a tackle in a few weeks. You know, can you come up and make tackles? And Vernon came up and made a couple of key tackles. He made some big plays with just a little time to prep, and he talked about that too. Uh, that's professional football. You got to be ready. Uh, there's not much more I can say about it. You got to be ready no matter what the situation is. That's why they pay us like they do. And, um, you know, these guys, they helped me out. They, they showed me a lot of love, a lot of support. You know, they want me out there, and, uh, you know, that feels good. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Vernon Hargraves with a big ball game yesterday. All right, let's move on to Jonathan Joseph, the venerable one, just getting his thoughts on the big W over the Indianapolis Colts. I think it's big. shows what type of team we have, the guys in this locker room, the coaching staff, everybody involved. Obviously, we know it's going to be a tough game with a division opponent. But, you know, that's the type of team we are. You know, the ones at home, you got to win division game or not. I'll tell you what, and I'm going to play some more cuts from J.J. in a second. But I want you to listen to this again. Listen to his voice. I think it's big. shows what type of team we have, the guys in this locker room, the coaching staff, everybody involved. Obviously, we know it's going to be a tough game with a division opponent. But, you know, that's the type of team we are. You know, the ones at home, you got to win division game or not. I know that voice. I know it's John Joseph's voice. I get that. But I know that voice, that raspy I lost my voice kind of thing. That happens when you are yelling, communicating, getting hyped like that. Because I had that voice this morning when I woke up. That's what Jonathan I When I heard that first clip, I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Because it was a loud crowd, and you got to try and talk over that. And that's a guy in Jonathan Joseph that, look, that secondary has had trouble with T.Y. Hilton over the, you know, over the past few years. Um, but that one meant a lot. To a lot of guys, and I know that meant a lot to J. Joe last night. You can hear you can hear it in his voice. I guarantee you that he was hyping guys up. He was communicating. They were going to have to yell over the noise, uh, and that's the reason his voice kind of sounds like mine. So, J. Joe, what, using that voice, was the key to the win last night? Uh, playing a four sixty minute game, nothing more than that. At the end of the day, football is about making plays, playing from first quarter all the way to the finish, however long it may take. And I think the day we did that, playing complimentary football, you know, special teams made big plays, offense made big plays, and defense. And I think it was all timely. Yeah, it was a team win. You see a lot of guys put stuff on social media. Great team win. Great team win. And this was a team win. JJ just said it. I mean, huge plays on special teams. AJ Moore with that big hit. Kaimi with the field goal. I still don't know how it got in, but it got in. Yeah, two of them, actually. The offensive plays they made, all the different guys the defense they made, it was a true team win. Now, the second we're still a little shorthanded. No Justin Reed, no Bradley Roby, no Lonnie Johnson. J.J. discussed playing a little bit shorthanded. I'm just big because those guys, you know, they stayed around all day. They kept their uh, head into it, you know, helped whoever else was filling in for them. And that's the type of group we have back in the back end. You know, it's always about the next guy up, next man mentality. And, you know, if you're not playing, you know, you're helping out being another set of eyes for them. There's no question. And, and J. Joe is a guy that has sort of transitioned. He's not the play every single play 100% of the time on the field guy. 
he's they they got a nice rotation back there. And when Roby comes back and Lonnie comes back, they're going to have even more of that. And I can't wait to see uh, what that looks like going forward, starting with Sunday against the New England Patriots. Jalila Dye. Here's a little. Here's a little a uh, known fact, I guess. Played the Texas or played the Colts in Week Seven, and Week Twelve. What one secondary member is the only guy to play the majority of those two games? Jalila Dye. And jo- John Joseph talked about Jalila Dye. Oh, I love Jaleel, man. He's a guy that talks football. He's football, you know, each and every day. And that was off with him, and um, it displays and shows on the field. He's always got full excitement and joy. He's a full-team player, and um, he's a good player, and I'm glad having him on the team with him. Well, he has made I, – I think about bringing him in. They had already signed to Sean Gibson after he was uh, cut as a salary cap casualty with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then they signed Jaleel Dye, and I'm thinking, okay, you got Justin Reed and you got Gibson, but – but Dye can do a lot of different things for you, and he's really proven that that is, is the case. He can do a lot of different stuff for this defense, and he is. He is all about ball. I love that. Jonathan Joseph, the fourth down stop, fourth and seven. He talked about that after the game and how big that was. Uh, yeah, we knew what type of game it was. It's going to come down to possibly, you know, you're looking at the clock, one score game. We got to hold them, offense hold the ball. And I think going out there and getting that big stop, you know, coverage held up in the back end, pass rush in the front end, guys hustling to the ball and stop them before the change. Offense get the ball and run it out. That's what type of team we have. That's kind of – to see your offense after you stop them, not have to go back out there. That was the Chiefs game. That was the Raiders game. You get to stop, boys. We'll go run this clock out. Man, that's fun. That That's fun. All right, let's talk a little Bernardrick McKinney. He talked in the locker room. Now, BMAC, sometimes you don't always get a ton from him because he does his talking with his play. But he did talk about bouncing back after a tough one against Baltimore. I mean, we just flipped the page, man. Um, It hurt. Everybody knew it hurt. So that's what motivated us to uh, be able to come and uh, know uh, the Colts are a great team and be able to come uh, the next week and uh, be able to uh, get the win. 11 tackles last night for BMAC. He wasn't the only guy making plays. The one who made a huge play at the end was Brennan Scarlett. He was part of a four-man rush, and he did a little twist stunt with whoever was next to him on the inside, and Scarlett couldn't get there. And so at that point, he kind of backed off and sort of spied on Jacoby Brissett. And when Brissett took off, Brennan ran about as fast as he possibly could to go track him down before the first down marker. B-Mac talked about what a stop that was at the end. I mean, I mean uh, every team has firepower. The Colts are a great team. Uh, we knew it was going to be a dog fight, 60 minutes. Uh, Scarlett made an unbelievable play uh, stopping uh, Brissett. Um, and like I said, we, it felt great. I know all the guys on the defense, uh, it felt great to them, and uh, it was great to get off the field. Finally beat Jacoby Brissett. And that's the one thing I think I'm going to take out of it is these guys – Finally got a chance to get Jacoby Brissett. It was a great defensive team effort. It was a heck of a team effort all around. And that right there, the sound from locker room, the Texans audio jukebox tells the full story. All right, when we get back, Mark Vandermeer stops by. We will discuss this game in full next on Texans All Access. I am calling all Houston area teachers right about now. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Oh, yes, you do. Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. All right, let's dive into this one. 
Twenty to seventeen over the Indianapolis Colts last night, and what a win it was! I'm your host for Texas All Access this evening, John Harris. Joining me right now is my good friend Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how you doing, Johnny? I feel like the Grim Reaper a little bit. Uh, actually, he probably feels pretty good because he just sends people to you know where. Right. Like I did not sleep much last night, no, but it doesn't matter. We shot television shows, we wrote articles, we had a great time. This was a monumental victory. Let's just put it that way. We've been talking about the series all week, the history of it, mm-hmm. and I think you added another great chapter as far as the Texans are concerned in this series, yeah. in this rivalry. It is a rivalry now. This is hot and heavy stuff. Never mind what happened from 2002 through 2009 when the Texans only got one win. Since 2010, it's been back and forth. It's been exciting. There's been a postseason matchup. Maybe there's another one this year. And last night, a primetime date at NRG Stadium, and the Texans owned the fourth quarter and got the win. I am elated about that, so fatigue means nothing to me right now. 30-second elevator test. Now, you don't have 30 seconds. You can elaborate for as long as you want. But you walk into the elevator with somebody, and they ask you about the game last night. What's the first thing you tell them? Super physical. Both teams on short rest. These teams clearly don't like each other. They know what's at stake. That was a big game. It was... Probably too big a game to play on a Thursday. It just felt that way to me. Yeah. Like that deserved maybe a Monday night or a Sunday night or something like that. But that's okay. You play when you play. And I think the players kind of liked it in a way, that way. But uh, I just thought it was going to take a toll physically on both teams yeah. to get out there and, and lock up like that. And the Texans in the third quarter giving up the rushing yards the way they did. Yeah. The first half, you had that 42-yard drive where all the plays were runs. Right. In the third quarter, you had that drive where, what, 10 out of 11 plays were yes. runs. And when that happens, you feel like, are they going to ever stop them again? Are, are they done now? Because yeah. usually when you're running the ball like that, it's not going to get any worse for the offense, right? You for the think, Colts. Yeah. You'd think they would keep getting stronger. Right. Like, you cannot stop them. It reminded me of Seattle in 2005. My gosh. Inquiring minds want to know, but some people do know what I'm talking about when I refer to that game. That was a Sunday night game, by the way, back oh, when Sunday night football was, was on ESPN, and they couldn't stop the run. This was different. It was a pounded, that offensive line doing a great job for the Colts. But then the Texans, like I said, and I remember opening the fourth quarter. We were coming out of the third or fourth quarter break, and uh, the, the break between the two quarters. And I just said it on the air. I forget exactly what I said, but I knew that this was it. This is the fourth quarter. This is it. And you were telling me the first play of the fourth quarter, because I didn't remember exactly what the first play of that frame was. The Texans already had the ball. was Hyde's 33-yard run to get them cooking in Indianapolis territory. A few plays later, Watson finds Hopkins in the end zone. They take the lead, and they hang on to it. Look, a three-point lead in this game. Oh, my gosh. And then you have, what, trading punts, and then you have the Colts on the move. And... You're a half yard away from that drive continuing and eventually getting it to the yeah. foot of Vinatieri for a tie, or maybe worse, yeah. as far as the Texans go, and Brennan Scarlett. I mean, you talk about game of inches. That game had everything. I, and I know Tony Baselli was doing the game for Westwood One, yeah. and he said to me at the half, he said, that's ah, kind of a boring game. I'm like, listen, Tony, because you don't care, <laughs> even though you should, because you yeah. made some money from this franchise. Right. You don't care. We care, okay? We care an awful lot about this one. So to me, look, 13-12, 10-6, to 16-10, I'm giving you scores of low-scoring Texans victories. Those are exciting games to me. It doesn't have to be a high-scoring 
flying circus for it to be entertaining. And this was middle scoring, right? 20 to 17. Yeah. But the fact that they hung on, and then they ran out the clock again. What, did they have three wins this year where they run out the clock and they're able to get crafty yep. first downs and, you Chiefs, know, they figured Raiders. it out. Let's just throw the ball along at the end, kill the final five seconds. Boom, you're out of there with the win. It was the most physical game I've seen in in a long time. Really? If, if not ever. I mean, there were guys getting smoked. Mm-hmm. When they ran the ball inside in the fourth quarter, and I and I talked to Zach Cunningham after the game. Zach was our player of the game. He had 16 tackles and just continues to carve out a career for himself. And and here's the thing: in in when you face the Colts and you think of linebackers, everybody's like, "Oh, Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard." And I will never, never, never take anything away from Darius Leonard. Right? He is a fantastic football player, and I hate the fact that we have to face him twice a year. But these two linebackers for the Houston Texans and some linebackers, Roderick McKinney and Zach Cunningham, take a backseat to no one. Nobody talks about them. Everybody talks about you know Bobby Wagner up in Seattle, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Lane Vander Esch and Jalen Smith with Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about Darius Leonard. And Anthony Walker played a really fine game. He's not thought of in that capacity. These two linebackers for the Texans are phenomenal. Yep. And Zach Cunningham was great. And so I asked Zach last night, I said, did you feel like you got like a second wind? Like what? Ha- what happened? Because in the third quarter, it's you know not looking good. They're kind of pounding the ball right down your throats. Yeah, and we're not tackling very well. And he just said, you know, when he said after that drive, you know, the offense went down and got three points, and we just talked about it in the sideline and said we got to clean clean our stuff up. We got to make clean tackles. We got to do the little things. And do the right things. And they did. And that's really what they did down the stretch. They did the right things. Those runs that were going for four, five, six yards earlier in the game on first down were now going for one or two. And Zach was a big part of that. And DJ Reader was a big part of that. And I talked to DJ after the game. I DJ won't say it out loud. I get the sense that he and those other guys love seeing that offensive line. Because of how much hype that offensive line gets. Right. In particular, Quentin Nelson. And, again, Quentin Nelson was my number one prospect in 2018. And he's a stud. He's just – he's unbelievable. But he and DJ Reader going one-on-one against each other is like football porn to me. I mean, it's fantastic to watch. And DJ more than held his own. And DJ after game is like, there isn't anybody in this league. Because in my mind, there's nobody in this league that can block me one-on-one. You're going to have to double me to move me. And he was phenomenal. Isn't it funny how you look at the rushing yard total, right? It's a buck seventy-five for the Colts. Right. You look at no indie turnovers. Uh-huh. I mean, those two things, you put those together and you tell me before the game, hey, by the way, Mark, the Colts are going to get 175 rushing yards today and they're not turning it over. I'm thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh, six and five, here we come. Right. Second place, solidified, Yeah. uh-oh. But the Texans, it's funny, they just owned the fourth quarter. They did. They made those stops. T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Joseph, no clown mask last night, yep. right? You look at some of those PBUs. You look at Deshaun Gibson with a pass breakup. We mentioned the stop by Scarlett. Those stops were so key, obviously. And the fact that you could move the football in the fourth quarter relatively consistently and at the end kill the clock. I mean, I didn't want to see Indy touch it one more time, even no. for one play, pass interference, whatever. I, I just don't trust this thing yeah. because 
It's a rivalry. Weird things can happen. I've been around too long. You've seen it all. I've seen Rosencopter up close and personal. I've seen Chris Brown miss at the buzzer up there. I've seen 17-point lead blown in 2009 here. I've seen it all. I don't want to see them back on the field on offense. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. T.Y. Hilton, three catches for 18 yards. Yeah, sign me up for that. Look, all right, he did play, obviously. Yeah. We knew – I mean, I felt like – if I, I thought he wasn't going to play because really? Tuesday is the only real practice you get. Right? I was convinced 100% he was playing. Okay, I well, Tuesday, it. let's think about this. Tuesday is the only real practice you get for a Thursday game, yeah, right? If that, yeah. He was a do not, did not practice on thir- on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Did not practice in the only real practice you get up to a Thursday game. He was listed as a full participant on Wednesday, which is a walkthrough. Yeah. I mean, you could walk through with a walker, yeah. right? <laughs> so he walked through on Wednesday, got on the plane, came here. He hadn't played in weeks, yeah. but he plays in this game, and not very well for his standards, of right. course, and that helped the Texans. But you don't have to sing the blues here for the Colts because Houston doesn't have Bradley Roby, who's supposed to be your T.Y. stopper, right? Right, And he's unable to go last night. Let's hope he can get back for New England. Uh, how about, like, there's so many subtleties to this game, and I can't wait to hear Texans replay with you yeah. because Vernon Hargraves comes in, the new guy, making big plays. Gosh, is he quick. Yeah. And this is going to be fun Moving forward, watching him get into the mix. I think, Johnny, and look, I know that it didn't work out with him, Tampa, and all of that. Change of scenery, and also, in his mind, I don't know the guy, but I'm thinking he's probably thinking, and you know he's got coaching in his DNA. Yep. He's probably thinking, oh, whoa, I better, you know, I, this better work out right, for right. me. I've got talent. Let, shape up or ship out. Let, let's, whatever whatever he's got to do. Yeah. You know, like, let me, let me catch on here because uh, otherwise, who knows what's going to happen with my career because – NFL stands for not for long, as Jerry Glanville used to say. So he played really well. I mean, you have Conley doing some things. You have Hargraves doing some things. You're going to get Roby back eventually. You know, stir the pot. See how all those DBs work out. You weren't playing with Reed, Lonnie, and Roby last night. That's arguably, that's definitely three-fifths of your nickel right, right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, undermanned. And I know the Colts had their injury issues. It's a Thursday night game. Strap them on and go. And, and they did the job last night. It. I couldn't be more satisfied with a regular season victory. Everything on the line. It, it's a relief. It's joyous. And now you got to get ready for the Patriots. Yeah. Okay, okay. We're going to talk about the Patriots in due time. But an interesting nugget about the secondary. I will discuss that next with Mark right here on Texans All Access. The Texans moved to 7-4 and four with a win last night over the Indianapolis Colts. Take a one-game lead in the division. Over the Colts, what a win it was. I'm John Harris. That is Mark Vandermeer. And one of the things that stood out to me was a little nugget about the secondary. How about this? Mm -hmm. Name the one player in the secondary that played the majority of both games. The only player in the secondary to play the majority of both games. Conley? Joseph? No. No. Joseph got hurt in the second oh, quarter yeah, 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 yeah. of the Colts game. Conley had not been traded for yet. Oh, that's right. Conley played there as a Raider. Roby was hurt. <clears throat> was right. hurt in both games. Gibson? No. Went out in the first quarter of that game. Jalila Dye. How about Jalila Dye is the only member of the secondary to play the majority of both games. Mm. Because your corners in the first game were Philip Gaines, Keon Crossan, Cornell Armstrong, Lonnie Johnson. 
I don't even know if Cornell was up at that point. Because J.J. went out. Because J.J. goes out. So J.J. was out for the majority of that game, as was Gibson. So your safeties were Reed and a die. Fast forward five weeks. Now your corners are Conley, J.J., Vernon, and your safeties are Adai and Gibson. It was a completely different secondary from the one that you faced, that Jacoby Brissett faced in Indianapolis. Well, was that the difference? You tell me, why couldn't or didn't the Colts do all that that rope-a-dope, rub-route, well, shallow crosses, all that stuff? What do you need for a rub-route? You need man coverage. Well, Texans were, didn't play man coverage as much as they did the first They matchup. zoned up. They zoned up a little bit, and the Texans were able to get some pressure. In the game up in Indianapolis, Watt got a bunch of pressure. Yeah. But he really was kind of the only one. Last night, you had pressure from the inside. Jacob Martin got his first sack and then had other pressures. Whitney Merciless drew a holding, maybe two. Brandon Dunn drew two holdings yesterday. Uh, in, I think I'm back-to-back plays. Maybe. I was loving those holding penalties against oh, Indy. Oh, those were oh, huge. Yeah. So it was, you know when guys get on social media after the game, they're like, hey, great team win, team win. They emphasize team. That last night was a great team win Yeah, all across the board. We haven't even talked about having Will Fuller back mm-hmm. and just the change that that makes on the offense. And well, how about Fuller? Not wide open, Will exactly. Right. I mean, more on him on that big catch, right. and he's able to haul it in. Fuller making tough catches, physical play. Look, I've been observing that with him for the last year and a half. Yeah. That he's really turned up the physical notch yeah. in his game, and you know he watches. He's at practice with DeAndre, and he sees how he operates. Some of those catches were DeAndre like. Yeah, they. The thing about Will last night, there was something about it. You know, Will. Makes a catch. What does he typically do? He flips the ball to the ref, and mm-hmm. like that's that's typically it. He was more demonstrative last night. He'd make a catch, and he might give the first down signal. Um, he caught a pass one time, and he and he flashed two one five. And I was like two one. I was like, oh, is that the Philly area code? I don't even. I think it is. I think it's two. But he flashed up two one five, and I thought, what's that? Mean? Oh, is that the Philly area code? He just seemed a little bit more demonstrative about the things he was doing last night. And I, I kind of like that. Kind of shown a little bit more of the personality. But he's such a tough cover. And there were a couple other times where he was open. Mm-hmm. And one time Deshaun missed him on that uh, the RPO where he breaks it off and yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. away from Marvell Tell. There was one earlier on when Kenny Moore came on a blitz. I'm trying to remember what drive that was. I think and it was left the him field open. goal drive. And he gets open. And that's where Deshaun is going with the ball. But Kenny Moore just came clean off the blitz because they, they didn't account for him in the protection. And he's not able to get the football. But it's just a matter of Fuller being out on the field. And I saw last night for the first the first time that I can remember, I really saw a team say, we're going to live and die with Hop- – if, if Hopkins catches a dozen passes, we're going to live with that. But we're going to double this other guy because we don't have anybody to cover him. I saw – I think it was Hooker at one point. I felt like he was supposed to be in the middle of the field like they were playing cover one. So typically free safety and cover one goes to the middle of the field. He was all the way between the hashes and the numbers towards Fuller to help on Fuller. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I've not seen that. And that's kind of a that's an enormous sea change for defenses to say, all right, um, which guy are we going to take away? But Bill O'Brien said in his press conference today, 
how well he runs his routes. Yeah. So that's you high got the quickness, right you got the speed, but how well he runs his routes. But catching the ball down the field just changed everything. And I actually got kind of worried about it because when he when he when when they score at seventeen ten, and the one thing I'm thinking is just ten to twelve play drive and tie this thing up at seventeen, but give the defense some time to rest. And first play, shoop, he throws it down the field, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm happy. But I'm looking at the defense going, oh, my God, guys, get ready. You're going to go back on the field. And it was only a two-and-a-half-minute drive, and they kicked, you know, Kaimi's field, field goal, oh, by the way. Oh How my about gosh. that? How about that? I, it is headed for Kirby. It is wide right. And then it comes inside on the draw that he put on the ball. Thank you very much. I, I watched that ball the whole way, and I am absolute, I, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know what in the world happened because I actually said in your ear, I don't know if you heard me, I said wide right. I went wide Oh, we made it. I mean, I literally, that's how yeah. he said it. I didn't, I didn't say anything until, yeah, that's in cue, by the way, folks. And I saw the ball bounce off the upright. But for those who don't know, when you're the play-by-play guy, you cannot tell if it goes through. In yeah, fact, Johnny, I don't know what upright. I could tell that one was the right upright because it actually hit it. Yeah, yeah. But it... Like, when it's close to an upright, you can't tell no, you from can't the tell. side view that uh-huh. high. You can't tell. That's why I need that. Um, and the monitor, by the way, is very delayed, and, and I like it delayed. And I stood – I was standing directly under the upright, and I'm watching that thing. And I'm telling you, Mark, that thing is a foot and a half wide right. And it, as it's coming closer, it's like it, – it, there's no way. And it like some, Beckham. And somehow he it moved just enough to kiss the upright and go in. And I'm like – I've never – oh, my gosh. I haven't had one like that. I mean, I've seen them on TV. I've never seen one like that live because I was 1,000% convinced. Because all in my head in the span of three seconds, I'm like, bleepity bleep, bleep, bleep. We had to score, and this thing is wide. Bro. Oh, we made it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was had, just like Had that. to have that. It's almost like the air conditioner turned on on the west side of the building and blew the ball in. <laughs> it, I think it did. I, I think it did. That's the only way I can explain it because there's no, there's no physics explanation. For that ball somehow getting through those two uprights, I have no idea. All right, topics that don't get old. Let me give you a couple. Okay. Talking about how Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson have just set the world on fire with the running game. As far as this world goes, the Houston Texans try to attack opponents. I can't talk about it enough. I I just go back to the start of training camp and Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. And if you told me right that, oh, by the way, neither of these guys are going to be a factor at all. And for various reasons, Miller gets hurt, Foreman gets released, and they're going to go with Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. What? (laughs) What? That happens? They're not going to set foot on the field until the the Monday night game. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. I mean, it's – I don't know. I don't know how – you can go into a season and go, okay, our two running backs are starting and getting speed reps for the first time. Week one. I don't I, – listen. And then to turn out like this. I love Lamar Miller. And, by the way, it's the anniversary coming up on uh, Tuesday. It's the anniversary of the Monday night game where we honored the memory of Mr. Oh, McNair. Yeah. And yeah. Lamar had that amazing 97-yard run. Carlos Hyde, I've always liked him. I like him even more now. Yeah. And he runs – he it, Feels like he breaks a tackle every other run. Yeah, I see arms flying because guys are trying to reach out and get him, and he's just like he's going through them like turnstiles. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm just on my way to at least five, six, seven, eight, ten, or thirty-three yards like last night. And then you get Duke in there with the cutbacks 
and some of the other things he can do. But, Johnny, here's another thing about the offense, and you can speak to this. Last night, Fuller clearly a big part of the game plan, Hopkins as well, and Stills, you know, they motion him a lot, yeah. do things, and they they didn't throw to the tight ends much, right. okay? Jordan Thomas is out there, you know, just getting a little taste, getting right. his feet wet. Look, they had, they didn't use those pages in the playbook, really. I'm just right. being, you know, very, very general here, but... You take on the Patriots, I don't know what the game plan is for them, but maybe the tight ends factor in big in that one. Maybe right. Duke Johnson out of the backfield as a receiver or wherever you put him factors in big in that one, and, and it's a whole other deal. Because I'll tell you this, for Belichick, you know that he spins that wheel. Mm-hmm. He's ready. It's chess for him. He's three moves ahead, four, five, whatever, and he's going to be ready for you because he watches everything. So it'll be really interesting to see how they set up this one. I mean, this is... I know we have extra time. It's Friday. They're not playing until a week from Sunday. But I think, hey, if you're going to have extra time for a game, this is the one to talk yep. about. It's the New England Patriots, and you have them in your den. Well, Clint Sterner asked me an interesting question last night in the post game because he said, he essentially said, do you look at the offense? Like, do you have issues with the way the offense is, is running? Like, it's not you know, a thousand percent consistent. And I said, no, I said, here's, here's my thought on the offense. And I tried to think of the right analogy. I don't know that I came up with one, but I think your playbook analogy is a good one. And that as you go through the playbook, if you've ever seen an NFL playbook and it's all printed out, mm-hmm. it looks like a New York city, old school, New York city phone book. Now yeah. millennials, a phone book was this <laughs> thing you used to use. Like you would look up who you wanted to call in this large volume <laughs> And you would go find that person. And this thing is probably three inches high. What I look at it as, there are, and it's by section. It's like, okay, here's your RPO section. Here's your tight end section. Here's your deep ball section. Here's your running game section. Uh-huh. Here's very, you know, different variations of the run game. And as they go through the game, they're realizing, okay, this probably is not going to be us tonight. But this could be. Right. That's probably not working, but you know what? This we probably could go to. The up tempo is maybe not our, you know, cup of tea right now. So maybe we just need to slow this thing down and go to this section of the playbook. There were times over the last how many ever years, Mark, where when certain things weren't happening for the offense, it was done. Forget right. it. not yeah. happened. Just yeah. not happening that day because those sections in the playbook were maybe minuscule, and it really became. We got to throw the ball to Hopkins, or we got to try and pound the rock and let our defense win this game for us. I don't. That was not the way that Bill O'Brien wanted to play, but that's just kind of the way it was. But now you look at it and go, okay, they're taking away wide runs, so let's hit them with some inside. Let's hit them with downhill inside runs, and Duke makes that cutback run on that drive, and that's like an inside run because he did it so quickly. Yep, and he took advantage of that. Okay, they're clamping down on us. Let's send them deep. We got Will. Let's take them deep. Hop, we're going to take you deep if they get you in man coverage. So it was not a night for the tight ends. It was not a night for Kenny. But it was a night that the vertical component came back into the offense, and they hit timely runs, and that's what they were going to go to with the focus being more about the downfield stuff because that's where they felt like they had advantage against the defense. That, to me, is more what this offense is. Your defense has a question mark somewhere. So we're going to sort of poke around until we find it, and then when we do, boom, we're coming right at it. And that, to me, is kind of the way this offense 
functions a little bit. Where is your problem area? We're going to find it, and hopefully you find it right away. But I think that's in large, I think that's part of why the starts have been slow because they're sort of looking for what they're going to give to us. What are you giving to us? What are you taking away? Okay, you're going to try and take away Hopkins. Okay, well, we're going to hit Fuller. we got the tight ends. You can yeah. take away Hopkins with double teams. You're going to have that safety roll over top. Okay, well, we're going to work the other side of the field with our RPO package, with our tight ends, with our interior guys, with with Kenny and with Will. If you're going to play as balanced up, well, we'll just take what we want at that point. So it, it feels like, okay, I don't, I don't know if it's deliberate. I mean, obviously, you know, Bill O'Brien, the offensive staff, want to go down and score. There's no doubt about that. But I do think there's this element of we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at you early and see what you want to take away and then figure out what kind of game is this. Yep, what kind of game is this? What kind of game is this? And that's one of the things that, in fact, I was I was on Twitter earlier this this afternoon. I was just kind of rolling through, and I got somewhere, and I think it was a inside the NFL or something like that. And it was a mic'd up, and it was Belichick on the sideline. He was talking to former Texan John Simon, and he looked at John Simon. And he said, "John, this is an outside game." And what he meant by that was because John plays on the outside, he said, "You know, this is not going to be a pounding game like the Colts. You're not going to have to be in on a bunch of tackles. You're going to have to be out in space making Set plays the on the outside. Yep. That's what your role is going to be." And that's one thing that I hear on mic'd up a lot from Belichick. He'll go to his players and say, "Look, guys." It's about slants and in cuts, slants and in cuts. And here he's telling Simon, this is an outside game. So they were, they're masters at figuring out this is what kind of game it is. This is, and I know they go with the plan, and everybody goes on with the plan, and you, you execute that right away. And they felt like last night, as they tried to run, okay, we got to take this part out. And I sort of, as I talked to, uh, to Bill at halftime, that's kind of the, the thought I got in my mind. Like, okay, that's gonna we're gonna have to take that part out of our playbook, really. Right. For the we're, we're not just gonna keep going to that. Otherwise, we, you're pounding your head against the wall. Right now, we're gonna continue to run the ball, but it may not be wide. There may not be things out there that we can mm-hmm. get, but we're still gonna run the ball. But we're gonna do it a different way. That's a different section in the playbook. Those are things that they didn't have, I think, on the offense in the past, but they have the ability to do it now with all the different weapons and Deshaun at quarterback. Yeah, it's a, it's a gear shift thing. I mean, if you say that, and I understand Clint's question from last night, but if you talk about the offense, well, whose offense do you really like, right? And right. what is the competition that they faced? Because the competition the Texans have faced is pretty good. Yeah. And it's going to be even harder next time out when they face that Patriots defense. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. And I'm curious. The Patriots have struggled running the football We'll see what they try to do because the Texans are coming out back-to-back games where it's been tough to stop. But again, moment of truth, crunch time, fourth quarter, let's make the stops. They made the stops. They win the game. This is going to be fun. I can't wait. Last night I felt the pressure of the moment like, wow, we've got to have this one. Like, yeah. We've got to have Got to get it. And against the Patriots, I've, I would imagine the Patriots will probably be favored coming in. Of course. So They're the Patriots. It's a Sunday night game. What do you got to lose? You know, last year you didn't play all that well up there in the opener. Year before that, you kind of stunned them a little bit, bringing in Deshaun and what Deshaun mm-hmm. can do. Uh, but you didn't finish either ball game. Right. This is that opportunity to see where you are. Again, it's a measuring stick against a really good team in the AFC, defending champs. What can you do? And you're bringing in a whole different arsenal than even you did on Sunday against Baltimore. Whole different secondary, seemingly. Yeah. You got Will Fuller back, which changes the complexion of your offense. So it's going to be 
It's going to be wild. We're going to watch the Patriots this weekend against the Cowboys and actually cheer for the Cowboys. Oh, don't make me say go Cowboys. Do it. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. You said it. You said it. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, my ultimate 11 impact plays of the night against the Indianapolis Colts. That's next on Texans All Access. Deshaun awaits the snap on fourth down. Takes the snap, drops back deep, fires it deep to the end zone, and the clock runs out. It is over. The Texans pull it off. They beat Indianapolis 20-17 to retake first place in the AFC South. Houston knocks off the Colts. They split the season series, and they are 7-4. A game in front of Indy with the Patriots up next. That's how it ended last night at NRG Stadium. Welcome back to Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. And it's a it's time for a segment that I do a full show on. It's called Replay, Texas Replay. It's on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. And I don't know if I've ever done this after a Thursday night game, but I thought, you know, last night was such an exciting game that this would be a pretty good time to do like a condensed version of Replay. The Ultimate 11 Impact Plays from that win over the Indianapolis Colts. So I scour the highlights, I scour the gameplay, and I come up with what I think are the most important plays that happened for different reasons. Try and put them in order, give you the ultimate 11 plays of that game. So you ready? All right, let's start at number 11. And it was a first, historical, if you will. Jake Martin, the pass rush has been in question because no J.J. Watt. So whether you lived in Houston or you're national writer, analyst, fan from outside the city, everybody's wondering where's the pass rush going to come from. Well, I'm telling you last night, Jacob Martin brought it all night. And the pass rush brought it all night. But the sack that he gets, I'm telling you, chop, rip. He was so fast off the ball. Braden Smith tried to get hands on him and – Jacob just chopped down and then ripped underneath him and got to Jacoby Brissett at number 11 for his, with his first sack as a Texan. Not his first impact play, but his first sack. It's Jacob Martin coming in right here. In the backfield with Brissett, it's Jordan Wilkins. Brissett, short shotgun, gets the snap. Here's pressure, and Brissett's going to be sacked. Brought down at the 36-yard line by Jacob Martin. Well, it's good to see Jake get a sack, his first one. He's been back there a few times. He should probably have about four or five of them. But that impact played big in the first half to get the Colts off the field. And the ball back to the offense. And the offense will get something going in the first quarter as they were moving down. But they got bogged down a little bit. And Deshaun had to scramble on a third down play. When that happens, who's he looking for? Well, it could be any number of guys, really. But this one, he found his big tight end, Darren Fells. Fells would make the catch for a first down, which would set up the first points of the day at Kaimi Fairbairn field goal. Here's Watson to Fells for 22 huge yards. It's at number 10. On third and long, Martin snaps Deshaun the ball. Watson stepping out to the right side. There's pressure. Deshaun throwing downfield. And he's got a man for a first down. Out of bounds. Darren Fells, the tight end, with the catch at the 23-yard line of Indy. Good for 22 yards. Now, numbers 9 and 8 go together in some sense. It's the same result, a Colts incomplete pass. But it was way more than that because of who the receiver was that the passes were intended for, and that was T.Y. Hilton. 
And if you know the Colts history, if you know T.Y. Hilton's history, especially in this building, and you know what he said last year, hey, it's like my second home. I come in there and I own it. And Jonathan Joseph said, yeah, that's a clown comment. You don't come in here and own some building. And then in the playoff game, he wears a mask. The Colts win. It takes on a life of their own. its own. When we went up to Indianapolis, he had five catches. One of them turned out to be a touchdown. He'd been banged up. He was on a little bit of a play count. But every time T.Y. Hilton comes into this building, everybody is in tune a little bit more, including a guy that was playing his first game for the Houston Texans. So on a third down, Jacoby Brissett looked for T.Y. Hilton on a deep sail route to the Texans' sideline. Vernon Hargraves would step in and make this pass breakup. Third down and four, Colts from their 34-yard line. Three-man rush for the Texans. Brissett stepping up, hit as he throws downfield to his left, and Hilton drops it. There was coverage by Hargraves, and it looks like he either got a piece of the ball or certainly distracted Hilton from making that reception. Well, that was a great play by Vernon. He made a couple of key tackles, too. One on a third down early in the game that got the Colts off the field. But that pass breakup, he did get a hand on that, uh, which created problems for Hilton. Number eight are the two men that I just mentioned, Jonathan Joseph and T.Y. Hilton. These two have faced each other. From the time that J. Joe, well, from the time that T.Y. Hilton was drafted and joined the Indianapolis Colts back in 2012, looking for Hilton down the sideline, Jacoby Brissett launched a deep parabola and it looked it was a great throw. It was right on the money, but Jonathan Joseph was hip to hip with T.Y. Hilton, and as Hilton went up for the ball, Joseph chopped on his hands. The ball popped out incomplete, and the Texans would get the ball back at the Ocho. J.J. with this PBU. Third down and four from the Indianapolis 47-yard line. Brissett puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Three-man rush. Brissett firing down the field, right sideline, and incomplete. Hilton, the intended receiver, Jonathan Joseph with the coverage. Veteran on veteran, and J.J. breaks it up. Well, I know J.J., was happy to make that play. You want to know who's even probably happier? It's me. I was freaking out. I was so happy, so happy to see a guy wear the clown mask and all that kind of get his last night. That was kind of nice. Now, our T.Y. Hilton, if you will, the guy who can fly by everybody is Will Fuller. And number seven, here's Will deep down the field. First down and 20 for the Texans. From the Houston 15, Watson in the gun. Watson takes the snap, throws downfield, left sideline, and Fuller with the catch. He's down at the 40, gets up, nobody touched him, and he's finally knocked down at the 30-yard line of Indy. Big play to Will Fuller. Welcome back, Will. Well, that's got us at number six. Late in the game, need first downs to keep the Colts offense on the sideline. It's third and I believe about four. What are you going to do? You're going to throw the ball to Will Fuller. And that's exactly what Deshaun Watson does at the two-minute warning. This would allow the Texans to run the clock out. Will Fuller getting it done with this 11-yard first down catch. On third down and four from the Houston 47. Deshaun calls for the ball. Here's the snap. Four-man rush. Watson throws. Left side. And he's got a man. Fuller for the first down at the Colt 41-yard line. Twisted down there by Moore. And the Texans have the ball in Indianapolis territory with a minute 48 to go. There's a lot of talk about Will Fuller, and deservedly so. 
Sean Watson had a brilliant game. Brilliant game. That throw may have been his best. That throw, Will was actually tightly covered. And somehow Deshaun put it in the one spot where Will could get it and nobody else could. That was a heck of a throw. Kenny Moore was draped on Will. Didn't matter. Number five is a play that I don't know that anybody's really talking about. I thought it was one of the key plays of the game. To start the fourth quarter, and Mark said this earlier in the show, as he went into the fourth quarter and the Texans are down 17-13, they've got the ball. I remember thinking, okay, 15 minutes to see what this team is made of, to see if they've got it in them to put together a drive or two, if the defense has got stops in them, et cetera. This fourth quarter will tell us a lot about this team. So on the first play of the fourth quarter, Deshaun went under center, and he gave the ball to Carlos Hyde. And I had talked to Bill O'Brien at, at halftime, and he just said, they're taking away our wide runs, which that's what the Colts do. That's, that's the Colts' strength. It's speed. They've got speed in a lot of places. But they're not big squad up front. Grover Stewart is a guy that can create some problems because he is strong as an ox. Marcus Hunt, because he's just tall, awkward, and big. But he's not 315, 320 pounds. He's 290. So those guys are tough to move at times. But if you go right at them, you got a better chance. And that's what they did here. Blocks up front were perfect. Nick Martin worked a double team with Max Sharping off to a linebacker. And that linebacker, Anthony Walker, got just a hand on Carlos Hyde, but not enough to slow him down. The first play of the fourth quarter comes in at number five. Carlos Hyde rumbles for 33 huge yards. On first down, Deshaun hands off. Hyde has a hole left side, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, cutting back 50. Down across the 45-yard line and in Colts territory at the 42. Carlos Hyde, big pop for El Guapo, 33 yards. Now, that was the big plan, the go-ahead drive. But the Texans needed to get back in the end zone earlier in the game. They were down 7-3, needed to get in the end zone. Sean Watson went back to pass. And then, and I wish I could tell you exactly what the Colts were doing, I don't know what they were doing. Deshaun even said it after the game. He said, I don't know what the safety and corner were doing. But somehow, they let the best wide receiver in the game just run right past them. Deshaun moved out of the pocket, found DeAndre Hopkins at number four. It's number four to number 10 for the first touchdown of the night. Second and 13 at the Colts, 35. Bell's tight to the line and two to the right side. Here's the snap to Deshaun, stepping out to the right. Plants, throwing deep. Got a man wide open. DeAndre Hopkins, rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. The Texans are back on top. Oh, that was fun. And there was nobody there. I just remember seeing Deshaun. I'm watching Deshaun, and I'm seeing him scramble. And I see him throw, and I look at me, okay, where's he throwing? And I into the microphone, I'm like, Hopkins, because he's wide open. He's just wide open. Made no sense. Number four, that first touchdown. Number three, it's this fourth down stop by Brennan Scarlett. What a tremendous defensive play. And there were, there were a bunch of defensive plays that stood out. I mean, look, the, the run defense got gassed a little bit, especially on a couple of drives. But there were a number of big, big defensive plays. This was the biggest, and it comes in number three. On fourth down, Ebron motioning in the backfield. Brissett puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Brissett with a little time. Scrambles out to the right. Brissett stepping up. He's got too much time. He's running for it. And Brissett is down. Short of the first down at the 40-yard line. 
Brennan Scarlett brings him down. Brissett almost got there, but not enough. And the Texans take over on downs. Huge play for this defense. I was downfield on that play. A lot of times I, I try and line up at the line of scrimmage if I can. But that, the, the, I, can't, I can only go out to the like 35 or 40. So I actually went down the field. I was actually watching in case the, you know, the, the pass play came downfield. So when Brissett scrambles, it felt like he was scrambling for a whole heck of a lot more than seven yards. But what I realized is he had a really deep drop. So that had to account for some of it. So when Mark says he stopped him, at my angle, I can't tell. I, I think he's gotten it. And Mark is like, he's got him short of the first down. I'm like, are you sure, Mark? And then I like run up to where the first down stick is. And I'm like, oh, he's short. Then I started freaking out. What a great play there by Brennan Scarlett. The hustle, the great tackle. My goodness. We talked about Will Fuller a lot. He had a 44-yard catch. He had that key catch for a first down. He also had this 51-yard bomb that led to a key field goal to cut the lead from 17-10 for the Colts to 17-13. This was the first play after that drive. Will Fuller with Kenny Moore hanging all over him. And it's at number two. First down, Texans at the Houston 25-yard line, high to the backfield. Watson fakes to give mini boot, looking, and he's going to air it out deep. Watson looking downfield, and he's got a man inside the 25-yard line. Will Fuller, another huge play. What a difference 15 makes. Oh, yes. And what a difference number 10 has made from the day he has set foot in this building after being drafted in 2013. At number one, well, it was kind of obvious, but it needed to be. Down 17-13. Colts in press man coverage on hop on the outside. Deshaun Watson went to his man, DeAndre Hopkins, for the second time. Mama got a second football, thankfully, and it comes in at number one. Second and 10 at the Colts 30. Empty backfield after Johnson goes in motion to the right side. Second down. Watson gets the snap, and he airs it out deep down the left side. Wants DeAndre Hopkins, and Newt makes the catch for another touchdown. The Texans retake the lead. Man, what a catch that was. I thought initially that Deshaun had overthrown him. I could see Hop beat Desir. And I could, I knew that was where the ball should go, just watching that. But as I'm watch, tracking the ball with my eyes and seeing where Hop is, I'm like, oh, no, he overthrew him. And then I realized DeAndre is getting close enough that if he gets a hand on it, he's got a chance. And that's what he did. He got his left hand on it. He almost made a one-handed catch. He got the left hand to kind of pull it close to him, and he snatched it with his other hand before he hit the ground and made that catch. And I, I loved it for a number of reasons. Number one... He beats Pierre Desir in man coverage. The safety that side, Malik Hooker, jumped, was looking to jump route, so he, can't, he came closer to the line of scrimmage. So it was truly Pierre Desir one-on-one with Hop. And Hop is kind of even with him at first and then pulls away from him. And Deshaun just drops a nugget. I mean, you talk about beautiful. My goodness. What a throw. And the protection was brilliant. And so on that play, I'm on the sideline. And when the Texans get down in the red zone, team doctor, Walter Lowe, Dr. Lowe will go with the team. He'll, like, move down so he can watch just in case somebody gets hurt, something, you know, happens. He can see it and then get out to the field right away. And so over the years, you know, you know, Dr. Lowe will come down and, you know, we'll score and I'll be standing there and he'll, like, grab my shoulders and get excited. And, 
you know, sometimes he'll like come down and we'll like just fist bump or whatever and just watch it. So he's standing next to me and the ball goes in the air and Hop catches it and he like kind of runs towards it a little bit and then stops and you can tell he's clapping, celebrating. I just like <laughs> behind him, I just spazzed out and just jumped on him, gave him a big hug, and I was like, Oh, wait a second. If I hit and hurt Dr. Lowe, man, who's gonna look at players they get hurt on the field? And I just said to him in the locker room, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I just kind of spazzed out. He goes, no, dude, that was awesome. That was very cool. It was a great play, and it was. It was a great play, and it's number one on our ultimate 11. We'll do more replay on Tuesday, but that just gives you a little flavor of what I thought about this game on Thursday evening. All right, there are still NFL games to be played this weekend. I will pick all of them straight up and against the spread next right here on Texas All Access. Yes, your Texans got a 2017 win over the Annapolis Colts last night, but there are plenty of NFL games going on this weekend, so we're going to do what we always do. I'm your host, John Harris, on this Friday edition of Texans All Access, and every single week at about this time, I predict every game straight up and against the spread. It's fun to do. It's fun to talk about the league this way, and it's not necessarily for the ducats that you can earn, all that kind of stuff. It's just a fun way to talk about each and every game in the NFL. Now, what's uh, interesting, if you will, is there is no game prior. All right, take it back. There's the last three games of the af- of the Sunday afternoon and Monday. Those are the only games that feature two teams with winning records: Cowboys Patriots. That's at three twenty-five on Sunday. Packers Forty ers That's your Sunday night game. That was flexed into that game, and then Ravens-Rams on Monday night. Go Rams. Let's go Rams. Let's go Rams. All right, so we've got some rooting interests, but when it comes to picking games, I'm a mercenary. It doesn't matter what my rooting interest is. I will tell you straight up, and it gets spread what I think, but to pick all these games, I need my music. And so there it is. All right, let's start with the NFC South battle. The Texans have beaten one of these teams and will play the other one in December, and that's the Bucks traveling to the Falcons. The Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite and playing much, much better. Raheem Morris went from wide receiver's coach to defensive play caller. Yes, do that math. Wide receiver's coach, defensive play caller. He's a former defensive coordinator, and he's done a great job. The Falcons' defense has responded. The Falcons in general have responded. I think the Falcons will pound the Buccaneers. Eh, maybe pound is a strong word. But they'll win this one, I think, by 10. That's more than three and a half. Take the Falcons to win and to cover. The Broncos travel to the Bills. I'd like to see, I, you know, I don't know what I'd like to see in this one. I don't know if I, we have a rooting interest, but Buffalo's favored by three and a half. Brandon Allen played pretty well for the Broncos last week, but didn't finish the deal against the Vikings. They lost a big lead in the second half, then got down, down four, got down inside the five-yard line, couldn't punch one in to get the win. I think that might linger for a little bit. Buffalo at home, I'm rolling with it. Low scoring, so take the under, but take the Buffalo Bills to cover that three and a half and beat the Broncos at home. The Giants go to the Bears. Daniel Jones against Mitch Trubisky. Get excited, everybody. The Bears are favored by six. Let's take the Bears to win that. I don't know anything about the Giants where I go, yeah, yeah, the Giants. Uh-uh. Giants are two and eight. I don't know. I don't, don't love them at all. Let's take the Bears. I don't love the Bears, that's for sure. Take the Bears to win. I'll take them to cover. Win it by a touchdown. Win by seven. I'll take that. Steelers are five and five. The Bengals are zero and ten. The game's in Cincinnati. Doesn't matter. Pittsburgh's favored by six and a half. We're taking the Steelers to win that one. 
bouncing back after a loss to the Cleveland Browns. And you know what happened with that. The end of that game, the Steelers will not have Marquise Pouncey, but Macy Rudolph will be there. That's enough. Pittsburgh will win that by at least a touchdown. That's more than six and a half. So give the Steelers the win and the cover. The Dolphins travel to the Browns. I said this a couple weeks ago looking at the, the schedule for the Browns. They're going to be in this thing in December. The games they have on the schedule are not daunting, and this is one of them. They should be able to get to 5-6 and six at the end of the weekend. Do they get the cover at 10.5? I'm going to say no. I think Miami will get inside the 10.5. So let's take Browns straight up, Dolphins to cover that 10.5. Panthers go to the Saints. A lot of talk about Kyle Allen and what Kyle Allen has done at quarterback for the Panthers. But there have been some cracks in the armor the last couple of weeks. And as a result, the Panthers have fallen to 5-5. Five and five. Christian McCaffrey was just named a 99 overall rating on Madden. Won't matter. Saints will win this one. Spreads 10. I don't know if I love that. But in the Dome, I'll take it. Lay those 10. Take New Orleans to cover it. Straight up. And against the spread, Saints are the call. The Raiders are 6-4. and four, Got to travel across country to take on the Jets. And it's going to be 9 o'clock body clock time for 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock body clock time for the Raiders. Yeah, I never liked those games. But Oakland's favored by three. I don't think even though the Jets have gotten a couple of wins, I wouldn't say the Jets are resurgent as I've heard this week. I think the Raiders are going to eke this one out. Running game and defense travel. And the Raiders' defense is better than people think. And the running game is stout, stout, stout. So take the Raiders to cover that barely and get the win. Seahawks go to Philly. It's an interesting one. The Seahawks have been great at times. And at times you go, what are they doing? Beginning of the year, they beat the Bengals by one. At home, they had to go to overtime against the 3-7 and seven Bucks. But then they go on the road. They beat San Francisco on a Monday night in overtime. Beat Pittsburgh uh, by two at Pittsburgh. Now it's the Eagles. The Eagles can't score. Philly's favored by one. I kind of would like to see the Eagles win this and get back into the race in the NFC North. So I'm going to take the Eagles to win. Let's get the Eagles to win. It's pretty much straight up. So, Eagles to win and to cover. The Lions and Reds. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Detroit's favored by three and a half in this one. I almost don't even want to pick that. You know what? I'm going to go with the Redskins. I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins to get a win. And that obviously will get you a cover. So, Redskins to win in an upset and get the straight up cover. AFC South. This will be in the afternoon. Only two games in the afternoon. The Jags go to the Titans. Now, last time the Jaguars went to Tennessee, Derrick Henry ran for about a million yards, including an NFL record 99-yard touchdown run that put the game out of reach. The Jags have gotten pounded the last two games by AFC South opponents, by us in London, and then last week by the Colts. I don't think the Titans will do that to them. I think this one will be close. In fact, I think it's three or less. Titans are favored by three and a half. So I'm going to take the Jags to cover to make it close for the Titans to win that one straight up. 
All right, let's get to the three heavies. Cowboys v. Patriots in Gillette, at Gillette. New England's favored by six and a half. I would love to see the Cowboys do something against that Patriots defense. On the flip side, the Patriots offense has struggled, but there's no Leighton Van Der Esch. I don't love that six and a half. I do think New England wins straight up. But I do think the Cowboys will keep it close. They'll get inside the six and a half. So take the Patriots to win, Cowboys to cover. Packers go to San Francisco. San Francisco's only a three-point favorite. The 49ers lost on Monday night a couple weekends ago or a couple weeks ago. But I think they'll get this one against the Packers. The Packers went to KC, beat the Chiefs on Sunday night. But I think this time the 49ers get them. 49ers win that one at home and cover the three. And Monday night, the Ravens travel all the way to face the L.A. Rams. Baltimore favored by three. I'm going to take the Rams in an upset. In an upset. The Ravens have been good. Really, really good. This one I'm going with my heart and my head. My heart says L.A., so I'm going my I'm going with it. The Rams in an upset on Monday Night Football. So there you go. Those are your picks straight up and against the spread. All right, we get back. Our buddy James Palmer from NFL Network joins us right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, and typically I turn this over to the players in the final segment. But because we had a game last night, because of things going on, eh, we don't have all the things we normally would have is a short week. So we don't have Player Reporter. Brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com. Arctic coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. That's what we would normally do in this segment with Drew Doherty's final word. We did a lot of that on Wednesday, actually. So with this final segment, we thought let's bring on a buddy of ours. James Palmer of the NFL Network, formerly of CSN Houston, has been here for the last week or so covering the Texans and Ravens, Texans and Colts, and he stepped in with Mark Vandermeer to discuss all things NFL. Mark? James, it's been a while since we've spoken in this manner. I know, and it has been far too long in my opinion. Yes. Probably not yours, but no. in mine, it's been too long, Mark. And you've been here, but it's just, you know, people get busy. I mean, I want to drag you in here, and you're doing your TV hits on well, NFL Network. Well, usually I'm on NFL Network doing the hits in the room next to you, and every time you walk by, you kind of give me like a, hey, and then the door slams when you get past me. It's usually what happens, <laughs> so I'm assuming that's not a very welcoming sign to come in no, here and chat. <laughs> we just have so much going on here. You know that. It's like 24-7 content generation, uh, hey, which you do as well. people what they want. Yeah, so from a national perspective, is the division underrated, properly rated? How is it rated, James? Uh, well, things have really swayed this year, right? I mean, we thought we thought the Eagles were going to come out like gangbusters and it was going to be nuts in the NFC East between them and the Cowboys, and now the Eagles have struggled. And um, I think the AFC West is a little bit better than we thought it would be with the way the Raiders are playing. Yeah. I think we thought the Chiefs would just wipe everybody out. I mean, if the Chiefs lost that game on on Monday night, they were they were not going to be in first place, right? Like the Raiders, and so I have that game actually in two weeks. Uh, Chiefs Raiders that'll be a good uh, one, which will be a good one. So uh, in this division, I, I do think it's it's kind of where everybody thought with what Andrew did right before the start of the season. You know, I think everybody was going to go. I think this is this is the Colts. Uh, with the way they played down the stretch. Nobody, I think, in Houston would deny the way they played the second half of the season, that that would roll into this year and the Colts would be a really tough team. Um, I don't think – I am roundabout way to say I don't think the Colts are getting enough credit for the team that I think they are. 
I think the Texans were getting enough attention leading into that Ravens game. I mean, we everybody from NFL Network on down build that as the game of the season so far. Right. Uh, it did not turn out the way Texans fans would have wanted it to, but nope. that shows you the – and I think Deshaun has a lot to do with that, the the national attention the Texans were getting. It's funny, like Tennessee sitting there at 5-5, five and five, like behind both these teams. It's – Right there. It's wild, and I did their game – in in uh, at home in Nashville against the against the uh, the Chiefs, and I'm standing there on the sideline, and I'm like, I'm going to be interviewing Tyreek Hill as soon as uh, we hit zeros, and then I'm like, they botch the the snap right in front of me, and I go, guys, we might have to go to the other side of the field, <laughs> and Ryan Tannehill is like, man, he has changed everything there. I yeah. mean, I watched them go into their tunnel, and Vrabel was just waiting for for Ryan to come off the field after he did his interview. And the two just had like the world's largest hug before they got into the locker room. And it's like, it took a lot of stones, I think for Mike to flip it because Marcus Marietta is a very well-liked dude in that locker room. Great guy, great person. But to say like, this is the switch we need to make. And it is, it has worked in Tennessee. I mean, what you had to go through there reminds me of switching the champagne from the Red Sox clubhouse to the Mets back in the other one, right? You know, and it's just like it was free for all. Like, who am I going to get on the field? I ended up talking to Adam Humphreys because that was his only catch of the game was the touchdown catch that won it. Oh my gosh! And uh, I ended up finding him and just started talking with him because. You know, I figured he'd be a good one to grab, but it was it was a wild one there. Uh, and so, yeah. Do you think the Titans crazy. have a shot to get no, back into this no, division I race? I, no, I don't think they're as good as either the Texans or or the Colts. I don't. But just the funny, the reason I brought it up is like the Titans are five and five, right? But right ahead of these two teams that we all say are the two best teams in the division, right? And then just they're not that far behind right now, record wise. All right, so yeah. the Colts beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. I was you, at that game. You were at that game. You mentioned Mexico City and the Chiefs beating the Chargers, but, boy, that was really iffy for a while. I mean, Phillip Rivers throwing his fourth pick, driving for a game-tying score and all of that. The Chiefs look a little shaky to me on the defensive side of the ball, maybe. What do you make of them moving forward? I think an understatement on on them defensively. I think, you know, when I covered that game where the Colts played them, I I didn't know why pregame, but I was talking to Frank Reich, and he was like, you have no idea how confident we are coming into this game. And at that point, that was before, right, they had beaten the Ravens yep. and they hadn't played you guys yet, right? Um, and I was like, why is this guy so confident? And they just ran the ball down their throat. And I mean, they and then you guys ran the ball well against them. And I just, I think the defense ha- has a lot of issues. Now, it can get better. Usually, it te- you know, when you change coordinators on the defensive side of the ball, most people around the league tell me it takes you a good six, eight games to start getting to where you want to be. Um, but they have trouble at corner. I think Tyron was a good move in the middle. But you, you had two really good pass rushers. And now and, and you kind of you got rid of both of them and Justin Houston, who will be here Thursday, mm-hmm. and, and D Ford, and you just bring in just Frank Clark. Now, he played brilliantly Monday night, but he hasn't done what the two of them were doing last year. They were lucky where they were in terms of red zone defense, turnovers, and, and sacks. They don't have that this year. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's there's a lot of worry there. Um, and what they did offensively, it's just hard to replicate that two yeah. years in a row. I still think Pat is brilliant, and I think he is fantastic. Um, but to do what they did offensively again is – those are tough numbers to put up again. you got to be healthy. Things mm-hmm. have to be clicking. Okay, James Palmer with us, NFL Network. Now, the Eagles and the Patriots got together last weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of strange when you think that two – 
teams that participated in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago yeah. play a close one-score game, and the narrative after the game is what's wrong with the Eagles and what's wrong with the Patriots. Yeah. It's what's wrong with both teams and the Patriots nine and one. I've never seen so many what's wrong with this nine and one team. Yet it's happening because of the offense for New England. Exactly, and and that's been you know something that's been the narrative this entire year is this is the best defense and I think Brady's comments are the ones that that, that are magnifying a lot of what we're talking about right like right. this is maybe the best defense he's ever played with and that's saying something to where defense has won him his early Super Bowls um, this defense is incredible and how opportunistic they are Brady's out there literally saying like we're going to have to change, and this is the greatest thing about Brady, is that each year he changes how he plays the position, which I think is incredible. If you have Randy Moss and company, I'll go throw it uh, all over the place. If you need me to run the football, we can run the football. He will do anything to win. But now he's sitting there with a mentality like, as long as we don't turn the football over and we can get three, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's remarkable because that Eagles defense is is not what we thought it would be. We thought it'd be a really good group up front, and they've been decimated by injuries. Um, Philly has had their problems, but you're right. This I haven't seen people be worried about a nine and one team. And I think that's kind of what happens if you spend any time up there. I think you've spent some time up there. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's worry at all costs. But they don't have a lot of skill players. It was a trick play that won the game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Edelman throws a touchdown pass. He's 4-for-4 four four now, perfect quarterback rating for his career. Um, <laughs> he throws a touchdown pass that wins the game. And that's and, the and difference. And that's what you have to do to beat an Eagles team that's that's kind of struggling. Right. It's a little interesting, yeah. It's weird because Dallas will visit the Patriots, and I guess mm-hmm. I have to root for the Cowboys, which I don't like to do, but that's the number one Sorry, offense in the league. It's a for you, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, but the Patriots are here the following week. Do you want them fat and happy? Do you want them miserable? I don't know what I want, but the Cowboys will be up there. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of that? Because you do have an offense that's pretty prolific this year anyway against a really good defense. Yeah, it's going to – you know, what does Bill do – better than anybody else takes away what you do best right he always tries to find a way we saw Stephen Gilmore on on Zach Ertz you know on Sunday on uh, for like Mm -hmm. a good chunk of plays so what what Ertz is your go-to guy let's try to find a way to take away Ertz so like the interesting part about it is Zeke has been averaging I think it's like below three yards a carry over the last hand handful of games and it was always Zeke does this and he bangs the rock and he he handles it and that opens things up for Dak what we're seeing right now over the last couple weeks is things have been flipped, and it's Dax, the one who's taking care of business, and then maybe hopefully the run game gets moving. I, I, I want to see what they try to take away from, from that Dallas offense because we've seen them work differently as the year has gone on. Do you, mm-hmm. Am I describing that right? Yep. Like So I could see them being focused like, all right, Zeke hasn't been doing it. Let's think about shutting this down, and then Zeke goes off. So I think that's going to be the interesting part about how they play them. But they just better than almost anybody. I mean, the Eagles marched at that 95-yard drive, uh, which was the longest drive the Patriots have given up in forever. And what happens? They don't score another point because they had a game plan, which Doug Peterson came up with that was really, really good um, because they don't have any wide receivers. We're going to do this, this, and this. Well, then Bill goes and adjusts what they're doing defensively, and the Eagles can't. Can't, can't deal with can't it. Get on the board again. So I think it's going to be what does Bill try to take away first, and then how do the, how does can Dallas adjust? Because we know Bill's going to adjust again. You mentioned Mahomes and the Chiefs and how they're not high flying like they were last year. Yet here they are seven and four, so they're yeah. doing okay relatively. But what well, relatively to this year? But you have the Rams. 
with a Super Bowl encore. They appeared in the Super Bowl encore mm-hmm. performance, and they're not really lighting it up. And no. they're having some issues on both sides of the football. And look, they they might be in good shape here overall when it's all said and done, but they'll host the Ravens on Monday night, and my gosh. I mean, Baltimore, I just saw them up close and personal, and they are a lot to handle. What do you think of that one? What do you think of McVay at this stage? I, it's a tough spot, right? You know, and he did so much self-evaluating after the Super Bowl. I mean, almost to a point where it was almost nauseating to breaking down to what he did wrong and what he thought he could have done differently in that Super Bowl. But I think facts are facts in terms of players make plays, and they're not the same offensive line. And, and you know, you, you, you don't have the same group up front. Todd Gurley is, in my opinion, from talk, well, not really, I guess it's my opinion, my educated opinion from the people I've talked to is he's probably not going to be the same running back that he was probably for the rest of his career. So you change in that fact. All of a sudden, Aqib Tlaib gets 1,000 years old overnight, and mm-hmm. your secondary isn't what you thought it would be. Um, obviously, they made the big move that they did, but they, they don't have the same team. They really right. don't. You know, and, and that's been kind of, I don't know why people don't talk about it as much. They're like, oh, what's going on with the Rams? Like, they, they can't do it against – it's not the same players. Right. So I do think that's a big part of it. I don't see how they could beat the Ravens. I really don't. Like, I, I said – I forget who I was on with somewhere in this country. They said, rank the top three AFC teams. And I was like, I think the Ravens are number one. And that was before they played you guys on Sunday. Right. And, and because I spent so much time with them during training camp and I've done a couple of their games and – the manner in which they go about everything is they probably have the best secondary in football. Yep. They and, and they, they add Marcus Peters and get Jimmy Smith healthy. Like they're good on all three levels of their defense. They run the football consistently. Mark Ingram is maybe one of the least talked about great pickups that a team has made this offseason and Lamar plays I see so many comparisons between Lamar and Deshaun, not just on the field but off the field. He runs that building. Like he knows everyone's name from the janitor to the to you know to the ownership. Like he is, as Mark Ingram would say, the dude. And and the, he, mm. it, it's it's incredible. When I did a joint practice with them against against the Jaguars, it's one on one drills, and he doesn't have Hollywood Brown out there, and he's throwing dimes to like Willie Sneed and like uh, I can't even think. I think Jordan Matthews was there at like a time, and like I'm like you're doing this over AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey. How is this hat like? You could see it during training camp, and he's only gotten better each week. So I don't know unless something crazy happens injury-wise. I don't see how the, the I don't see how the the Ravens don't continue to do what they've been doing. That's the key thing. I mean, he's improving. You know, they all got to get better, yep. and and you got to continue to do it. Otherwise, how do you you're... cover three tight ends? I mean, it's hard to have yeah. the the talent level on your defense to cover those three guys they use them uniquely james palmer nfl network with us all right so how's your life a lot of travel you had last uh, weekend off yeah sort which of was crazy yeah it doesn't happen usually to me but i did the whole week in london with you guys and then i came back and we so knew, you got a buy i know what no I, yeah i kind of oh, buy yeah i guess oh I did buy two weeks buy. later yeah because oh. i did your guys game and immediately when i got back we knew mahomes was going to be coming back so i went to kansas city for the week okay to be with you know pat's return and, I've and then you go to nashville and then i went to nashville and did the game then i saw you guys a little bit last week leading into the ravens game and they're like you know what you're going to be here all week this week uh, and then I have Chiefs Raiders. I don't know what I have. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah so, right. man, uh, yeah, I've, we've kind of been all over. It's been cool to catch some of these teams as they've gotten hot to and kind of seen teams early in camp that we had a guess were going to be good, and now it's kind of 
happening as we're coming around. But now it's like I got this little mini buy in the middle here because when the end of the season hits, it's it's you know my child forgets who I am and yeah. my wife doesn't think she's married and you know, just <laughs> <laughs> because the playoffs happen and you spend the entire week in that city during the playoffs. Right. It's not like pop in for a couple of days and then do the game. It's you're there for the entire and week. The and the Broncos are unlikely to make it. They are not going <laughs> to make the playoffs. I have not spent much. The Broncos have not. I do think Vic Fangio is a good coach. I do think that um, he's going to do some really, really good things there. But They've they don't, been close. They, they, oh, my God. It's been unbelievable. I mean, it's been so. What, that, what happened against Minnesota was r- remarkable, but they've had three other teams just march down the field with less than two minutes to go and, and win the game against them, and that's, that's crazy. The but Colts? The Colts game, I was there for the Bears game, which was a last-second mm. field goal. Um, Jags? I've them three times. Yeah, the <laughs> Jags game. Yeah, the Jags was the other one um, where the Jags marched down the field, and so – um, but anyway, the way they've played, I haven't been spending much time at home. So my homes are like here, Kansas City, Baltimore, Indy. Yeah, those are kind of my homes right now. What do you make of Kubiak in Minnesota? And you and I both saw him this week doing some uh, media stuff, and it was kind of a, a strange sight, Kubiak in a Vikings hoodie. Yeah, right, but it's the same Kubiak stance. It's the hands <laughs> in the middle of the hoodie, the shoulders kind of forward, kind of just got the feet rocking back and forth, and it's the same you know, guy that you've seen – uh, and all of the stops that he's had, and I've I've put it out there a couple times, I think, on Twitter in the last maybe month. Like, I, he's one of those people, and it's probably because you know Gary very well, and I know Gary very well. Super underrated, and I think people should look at his kind of his coaching tree, if you want to call it Gary. And I don't think mm-hmm. anybody'll ever call that Gary as a coaching tree, but um, super underrated guy. And I think what he's done um, in Minnesota was perfect because one thing is. Kirk Cousins is not an easy dude to get along with. Um, he is a driven individual that wants things done uh, 100 miles an hour in his way, and I think Gary is the perfect guy to kind of be in there. He mm-hmm. runs their scout team offense, which is he's having a blast doing. Um, wow. And then he goes on the other side and helps the defense about what he thinks would make things difficult for, for Kirk too. So he's getting to have his hands kind of – interacting with all these different pl- young players on the field, which is what he loves to just get out there and just coach. Um, that's probably why when he talked this week was the first time anybody's heard from him since training camp because he'd rather just go out there and, and, and coach. But all the different roles that he's put in uh, to help them, I think you should see that his fingerprints are all over what they've been able to do, especially the last several weeks. You think he comes back? I I mean, if you he know, wants to, know. like he was asked, he was asked that, he was asked that, and he said, you know, I, I had my chance to be a head coach. I'm really liking what I'm what I'm doing right now. Um, In other words, Ronda says no. Ronda says no. <laughs> but I mean, he said he was going to retire from coaching, and now yeah. he's back, you know, in a role. But the role that he's in now, like I said, he's kind of helping out with all these other things. He goes home a lot sooner than yeah. he used to go home That's if big. he ever went home at all. Um, I think if he was a head coach again. He's only wired one way to do it the way that he does it. Um, and so I think that would be the tricky part because you mentioned Rhonda like having, mm-hmm. you know, going home early. As His a son is at Strake Jesuit, maybe high school. You never maybe, know. Yeah, and Klein's with the scout with the Cowboys now. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you never know. You never know. Never James, know. thanks a lot for joining us. We yeah, appreciate no it. No problem. This is fantastic. You're damn right, James. It's fantastic. Last night was fantastic. You guys are fantastic for listening. Thank you so much to Mark, to James, to all of you for listening. Y'all are the best. Enjoy the weekend. Your Texans are 7-4 and four in the top of the AFC South. Have a blast. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And as always, go Texans.